yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. First with us today, we got DC. What up, dude? And also with us, we got Tone. What up? Uh, welcome to the podcast, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad to be here. Get right. me out the house. <laughs> COVID, people ain't getting out. <laughs> if it ain't to the supermarket, I'm at home. <laughs> once, listen, once you make it convenient to be at home and to work from home, it just becomes more of why do I have to leave? Why, why the fuck wouldn't I do this? The last two days, I worked in my PJs. Order groceries. Order everything. Hell yeah. You were essential for so long. Uh, now you got a taste of that. You're like, oh, shit. This yeah. is what everybody was so excited about. Yeah, this is the shit. I can fuck with this. I'm still getting paid. All right, DC, what are you drinking today? So, um, everybody on the podcast know I've had my great share of Lagunitas. But I saw a new one, and I've never had it before. The can was interesting, so I decided to try it. It's the twelfth of never L. Actually, I'm about to have my first sip right now. It looks like it will taste like grape. It's a Lagunitas. <laughs> it's delicious. It's it's always good. <laughs> it's Lagunitas. No matter what it tastes like, he's gonna say that. <laughs> it's like a Lagunitas commercial. All right, uh, Tone, what you got to drink today? I got me another Voodoo Ranger Imperial Imperial IPA. One of those nine percent ones. Yeah, Damn. high, high gravity. Those big dogs. Yeah, the Voodoo Rangers. Go. I mean, New Belgium. All their beers are good, but Voodoo Rangers. It's a good product. Yeah, that was the best one out of that. Uh, I had a variety pack. I think maybe the last time I came on. Yeah. And uh, that was one of them, and uh, it's pretty good. Save the strong one for last. <laughs> <I should. laughs> what I like about Voodoo Ranger too is because they have like multiple voodoo rangers at different gravities yeah so you can go up the chain yep just keep drinking keep going i can't find my percentage on mine but i was gifted this beer my friend tanya got it for me but it's gangster ipa oh nice oh that looks dope they seen it and they were like his podcast (laughs) it it picked it up for me and gave it to me but i mean come on gangster ipa if that don't fit with the fucking podcast and what does even if it doesn't taste good right it's good though. It's a it's the Hideout Hideout Brewing Company in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Never heard of them, but yeah. now I have to look for it. Well, they got dope artwork, and mm-hmm. they call their shit gangster. Before we get started, we gotta make sure we gotta take the time to thank uh, Six Fo Swaino for letting us use his song in the intro. Also, Cancer, he lets us use his song Blood in the mid roll. You can follow him on Instagram at Eyes Bleed Defiance. His name is spelled Cancer with a three for the E. Sixpo Sueno's social media is a little bit tough, so you can just go to our website. If you can't find it, go to our website at badguypodcast.com. And I think they're under the sponsors section. And you could click, you could find all their social media links and stuff. Uh, so you can click through through there. You could uh, go follow us on Instagram at uh, Bad Guy Podcast. We're on all kinds of social media too, but Instagram seems to be 
where we're actually really at. But we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Louis Eppolito. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Louis Eppolito was born July 22nd, 1948 in New York. I'm upset because I don't see a nickname, a AKA, alias, or anything else. So I'm upset. I knew that would come up. There is one AKA, okay. but I couldn't put it on there because it would really tell what you tell, tell right the off the bat. We wouldn't even have to tell the story. <laughs> I could just tell you his name and the AKA, and you'd be like, yeah, I kind of get it. Episode done. So his dad was Ralph Eppolito, who was a made man in the Gambino crime family, who was known as Fats the Gangster. So it's not fats. It's like you're talking about that one yeah, time. A pimp named Slickback. Yeah. <laughs> Got to say the whole thing. Yeah. That's his whole name. Yeah. It's not fats and he's a gangster. No, my name is Fats the Gangster. It's like a trap called Quest. You have to say the whole thing. <laughs> also, several of his uncles and cousins were made man in the Gambino family also. Kind of the family business. Gambinos. By the age of 10, he was running around with his dad making collections. So he kind of always... Grew up in that life. He said at one point, he said he knew by the time he was 12. Oh, my dad's like a bad guy. Like he hurts people and shit. You know what's weird? And this is how it works with influence. It's hard to grow up in that and not look up to it because whether you're a really good guy or a really bad guy, there's a certain amount of respect that comes with that. And as a kid, you really look up to that and the way people react. You may not be able to define it in words, but you see the difference of how people react to your dad versus other people. And especially when you're, it's like a tween, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you start looking up to people like that when you're that young. Well, because it's cool, right? Yeah. You're looking up, they're cool, and that's a big deal. One of his maid uncles drank himself to death in the 50, and his other uncle and a cousin were killed in a mob hit. Uh, Louis Eppolito was real into weights. 1967, he won the Mr. New York City Bodybuilding Contest. And then a year later, in 1968, his dad passed away of a heart attack. Mm. It says at his funeral, like a lot of the high, you know, a lot of the big name mobsters showed up. A lot of people offered him work, legitimate work. He looked at some union jobs. But what he ended up doing in 1969, he took the police entrance exam, which he passed, and then lied about his family connections to get accepted into the police academy. (laughs) Hey, that's a smart way to be a criminal. Get on the inside. (laughs) <laughs> it's like the same old story with these guys though, man. <laughs> they all lie to get in either the army or the police department they all become like some kind of sheriff <laughs> that's all you gotta do it so whether it's Chavez in 1870 <laughs> you know or Louis Eppolito in 1969 like same old playbook man <laughs> let me guess it's yep. either a big family or it's the family business yep. So he worked his way up from a beat cop. He was awarded several honorable mentions. And then eventually he marries a woman named Frances. And by 1977, he had worked his way up to detective. Damn. He eventually ends up partners with a man named Stephen Caracapa. I guess he also, he had had a felony growing up that he had lied about that he wasn't supposed to be a police officer. (laughs) He had a felony, joined the army, and then came out and joined the police force. So easy to lie back then. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> just lie. Yeah. You, think you can't about Google it me, bitch. Yeah. It's one of those things. I mean, certain jobs, it's difficult to recruit from. 
So, you know, you kind of take people at their word. You know, you look at him, so, okay, so I'm looking at him. He looks about 5'8". Says six one, good enough. Yeah, yep. we can take you. <laughs> I actually did read something somewhere that said at that time there was a lot of racial uh, division and stuff. It's mm-hmm. nineteen sixty nine mm-hmm. in the in New York City. Yeah. Police were hard to come by, and they needed them. A lot yeah. was going on, so they were a little yeah, a little yeah. relaxed. Yeah, are you that gangsters kid? No, no. Okay, good enough. <laughs> right answer. <laughs> Epolito and Caracapa, they're partners. And then in 1980, they get separated and signed to a different department. Now, there's a lot of rumblings that they were up to no good. Like most people say, they're probably dirty cops. But the official reasoning was because of financial cutbacks. Epolito was transferred to the homicide division of Bensonhurst. And Caracapa was transferred to the major's crime division. The way the system is set up, I think it's very difficult not to be a dirty cop. If you're in a system where the cop's word trumps all, doesn't matter, and you're a cop, and let's say you're a quote-unquote good cop, and you're risking your life every day and you're fighting crime, something is never going to go away. It's never going to go away, period. Mm -hmm. You go in day in and day out, and you're making not a lot of money, don't see your family a lot, and you you happen to bust a guy that got a trunk full of money. What's the difference if you report a hundred thousand or ninety thousand? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think it's very difficult that that particular position to not, at the very least, be in a gray area. Especially, you know, no matter what you say or you put down on paper, that's what's going to be the word. Yep. Well, absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's yes. a thing. But I also think we're putting these people in these situations. How about we don't make that like a, a lower middle class job? How about we mm-hmm. pay these guys good money and get us some real training and make this like a trade, like yes. a skilled trade. Mm-hmm. So now you're getting the best of the best and they're going to perform right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're getting, you know, some of these people are doing it because they have to or there's no other option or mm-hmm. they just want to hit people with sticks. Like there's a lot of reasons you go into that line of work. And, you know, you're making 50 grand a year mm-hmm. and this guy's got 50 grand in his trunk right now. Yeah. And what's he going to do, tell on you? He's a fucking drug dealer. You're a fucking cop. I know when, when I was younger, it was always a couple of dirty cops in my neighborhood that would do stuff. Like, literally, it was almost like going shopping for them. They would come to the neighborhood. You know, it could be something as simple as they see somebody riding a moped without license. Mm-hmm. They're taking it. There's nothing getting written up. And they're telling you to go home because it's illegal. Right. Well, guess what? Their kid just got a new moped. <laughs> right. You know, they're, yeah. there's n- they're not doing anything official. And what are you going to go do? Tell? They do that with that money, you know, all types of stuff. You see it a lot. Right. Definitely. Uh, I know this is dirty money. Ain't no one uh, mm-hmm. accounting for it. Just, uh, yeah, I'm going to take 40 grand. No, I swear. He caught me with 100000 in dirty money. Yeah, don't no, let me we be got, a cop. We got, we got 60. <laughs> It says when they split them up that it actually made it worse because it kind of gave them more reach. So they were still able to work together, but now they're in different departments and different territories. In 1983, while raiding the house of Rosario Gambino, they found a stack of police files detailing police information on the Gambino crime family. They raided a Gambino family and found police files on what was going on with the Gambinos? Yes. That's crazy. Okay. They start looking into why, well, why would you have these police files? Why do you have this information? And there's a bunch of evidence to imply Epolito. There's like fingerprints. There's a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and they give him an opportunity. He can either resign with his benefits or they press charges. He'll have to go to court and then he would face losing his job, losing his pension, you know, losing everything, going to jail. And he was kind of a hard head and he said, fuck it, I'm going to court. <laughs> he ended up beating him in court. The reasons why they let him off was all seems a little fishy. So there was some fingerprints of his and the judge said something to the effect of he believes it's his fingerprints, but he doesn't believe that they weren't put on there after the fact or mm. something. I like that as an argument. It's kind of like if the glove don't, don't fit, fit, you right? must acquit. I mean, it's definitely his fingerprints. <laughs> yeah. But were they placed there at the time or after the fact? Right. Prove me wrong. Why they let him off? It's tough to say. Like, so was he bought off? Was he dirty too? I don't know. Either way, he beats the case. He was hanging upside down and his uh. Off his balcony sometime before that. <laughs> or, you know, back in the day, they would like to, you know, have judges come have a good time with young ladies mm. and take secret pictures of it. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of that may going get on sent now, to the wife. Yeah. And or humiliates you. He beats the charges and they're back at it. Now, 1985, Frank Santoro is like a Gambino guy. And he had knew this old school Jewish mobster named Burt Kaplan. Uh, he did some kind of treasury bond scheme. Frank Santoro, when he meets him, told him, like, look, I got a cousin on the police force, you know, so if you ever need, like, some favors or whatever, I could hook you up. Well, Burt Kaplan has some issues with a guy named Israel Greenwald, who had ripped him off on his little treasury bond scheme or whatever. So they reach out to Louis Eppolito and his partner, see if they could take care of it. And they find Israel Greenwald on February 10th, 1986. They stake out his house. They pull him over. And they drove him to a garage. This is a garage they use a lot. So they drive him out this garage in the middle of nowhere, and Frank Santoro killed him. Mm. Burt Kaplan was like, dude, great job. But he also said, so look, I got a guy that could probably use you a lot more than I can, and he pay you a lot more money. So he hooks him up with a guy's name's Anthony Gaspipe Casso. <laughs> Gaspipe is a real well-known mobster, but he was like a psychopath. Like, he killed everybody. What year frame are we in again? Uh, 86. Listen, 30 grand for just pulling somebody over and getting a body. <laughs> and now he's introduced you to somebody that can pay a lot more money and has a lot more work. It's kind of hard to turn down. I'm just going to say. <laughs> and if there's chances, it seems like you and your buddy probably been dirty for a while. Yes. You just being dirty cheaper. You can be dirty for some, some real money. Anthony Caso was a high ranking member of the Lucchese family. Now, Gaspipe didn't trust cops at all. But after he had an attempt on his life, they had a failed hit. He was eating an ice cream in his car. And he decided then he wanted to use Eppolito and his partner and take out the gunman. So the two of them, they find out this, it's this guy, James Heidel. They stake out his house. They find out where he lives. And on October 18th, 1986, the two police detectives, they kidnapped and handed over James Heidel, who was a Gambo crime associate, over to Mur uh, Castle to be murdered. Now, Gaspipe, he didn't kill... Heidel right away, he tortured him for a long time. You come up with more names on who was trying to kill him. So I guess Heidel was the gunman, mm -hmm. but he wanted to know like who was behind it. So a name that he got that he thought would try to put a hit on him was a guy named Nicky Guido. <laughs> that sounds like a mobster name. It's like a mob slur. Sounds like someone from Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> Castle says, look, I want Nicky Guido. Find him. Mm-hmm. So Caracapa, he uses his police database, and every time they log in, they got to use, like, a certain, like, ID number that's mm -hmm. traceable. 
And but he would do it all the time. But he had never had a problem with it because it just looked like they were investigating a lot of crimes. Like, mm-hmm. Man, this guy's a good cop. Look at mm-hmm. him. He's always mm-hmm. investigating everything, right? They find him. They go back to gas pipe and like, we found him. If you want, we can uh, stake him out, find out a good lay of the land. But Castle's thing was he wanted him dead now. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to wait. He wanted him killed right away. And he didn't want to pay them more money. You know, he was like, how dare he? Like, I got your information. I already got the information. I go ahead and kill myself. I don't want to do your shit. On Christmas Day, 1986, Nick Guido's caught out cleaning off his car, and he was killed by uh, Gaspipe Castle. Problem is, it turns out, it was the wrong Nick Guido. Oh. The actual Nick Guido was staying, like, upstate New York, mm-hmm. so it was just a regular guy. Mm-hmm. So, if the other two would have went and checked him out, they would have found out, hey, this is the wrong guy, mm-hmm. we'll get you another one, but he's like, no, we're gonna kill him now. Mm-hmm. So he just killed some regular dude on Christmas Day while he was oh, washing his car off up, and shit. Man. So this infuriated Burt Kaplan. He was like an old school gangster. And he was like, mm-hmm. look, I set you up with these guys. Mm-hmm. Just spend the money and do what you're doing. You can't just, just killing people for no reason. Like, that's mm-hmm. not what we do. So he gets fucking pissed. Castle doesn't want to fuck up no more. So what he decides to do is he puts Epolito and his boy on the payroll. And they were getting $4,000 a month as a retainer. And then they would get paid per job for services rendered. Listen, still to this day, that is one of the greatest formats. Get put on retainer, then charge when a job. But the retainer is just to hold me in case you need me where you can pull me away. I'm on call. Now, once again, this is the 80s. You got your regular money. You're building up your pension with your time on a job. Get four grand a month not to do anything. And then you get the bonus when it's time to put in work. Sounds like a good living. (laughs) (laughs) Glad I wasn't introduced. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. officially on retainer mm-hmm. they started giving them wholesale information regarding witnesses bugs suspects like the lucchese family was notorious for being one step ahead of the government they also started doing a series of hits for gas pipe so caracappa and epolito murdered lucchese family member bruno fasciolo 
because Castle suspected him of being an informant. On November 6, 1990, they pulled over a Gambino captain, Edward Eddie Lino, in a 1990 Mercedes-Benz. They shot him nine times. So they started moving their way into legit, you know, mob hits. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, growing up and watching a lot of the mob movies, you would always see scenarios like this play out where it's just a dirty cop or whatever. But a lot of times they would never build that connection. But more often than not, you had these type of connections, family members and different things that are now part of police force. And, you know, they got hired by someone else. They're on the payroll. A lot of it, the details didn't play out. So I think it's yep. great seeing or hearing this. In the early 90s, there was major indictments that put charges on many of the New York crimes families. Epolito and Caracarpa ended up retiring from the police force, but they never really retired from the mob life. And Epolito tried to be an actor, so he was in Goodfellas, Predator 2. He was in like four movies and shit. <laughs> and uh, Caracapa was kind of like, hey man, why don't we lay a little bit more low with our mob <laughs> shit, you know what I mean? Now that we're retired and shit. And in 1992, Epolito wrote a book called The Mafia Cop, the story of an honest cop whose family was the mob. <laughs> okay. Stay a little cop. low. <laughs> <laughs> whose family was the mob. His nickname was the Mafia Cop. So him and Kara Kappa were called the Mafia Cops. <laughs> but if I'd, have show, if I'd have showed this to you at the beginning yes. and said, Louis Epolito, the Mafia Cop. Oh, oh, I have a prediction. <laughs> yeah. <I> have... <laughs> he even went on Sally Jesse Raphael to discuss his book. What? Yeah, you can watch it. It's an 18-minute clip. I'll put it in the notes. <laughs> he, does a, oh. he does a Sally Jesse interview about no his, talking about his family and the mob and how he's got to separate those lives and shit. You got to <laughs> take, like, the best clip from that and also put it on uh, Instagram. I got to yeah. see that. Plugging his book, talking. And Kara Kappa's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you wrote a book about being a mob cop? The funny thing is I forgot all about that show, talk show. Sally, Jesse, Raphael. That's, first of all, that's like the greatest name ever <laughs> for a talk show. <laughs> but I forgot all about that show. It definitely takes you back to a time with just hearing the name. Yes. Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Like, okay, so we're on some 90s shit. I so what is it like after so long that after a crime has been committed, you can't, they can't charge you for anything? Like, why, why would you go and tell, say a well, bunch of this shit? Well, he didn't. In his book... He was a good guy. He was a good cop. He was a good so cop. So his book was about him being a cop, but he had this mob family. So he didn't say that he was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, you know how hard it is to be a good cop when you come from a mob family? Yeah, plus certain things. And that's things. why his partner is like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why plus would you write that Plus certain things part? don't have a statute. I don't think, like murder, I don't no. think there's any statute of limitation. I think it's murder, rape, like one or two other things. There's no... Like you could have done it, sixty years. years. Yeah, yeah. What What is the guy that got caught? The um, Golden Gate Killer. Yeah, he got caught. You know, with all the new um, ancestry DNA and everything like huh. that. One of his distant relatives had did a DNA test trying to find out their heritage, and from that, I guess. And I don't know how the whole DNA stuff works, but I guess certain things on their blip said, "Hey." This is drawn a radar with this this person we never caught. Mm -hmm. And so that put them on a the track of the family. And somehow they were able to track this guy down like, you know, I would have been 40 years or whatever, however long it's been. And all of a sudden, you know, he's an old man and he goes to prison for <laughs> these murders 
based on a DNA test of a, a relative. relative. I'm pretty sure Patton Oswald's wife had something to do with him being caught, too. She mm. was doing, like, true crime books. Like, she was writing about him, ah, so she was doing, okay. like, a lot of research. So mm-hmm. she was what kept a lot of the investigations open because, mm-hmm. like, she was finding new, new information mm-hmm. and shit like that. 23 and Me and Patton Oswald's Walt's <laughs> wife solved a 40-year-old crime and shit, man. <laughs> yeah, but saying that to say, I mean, certain things have, and I think it's right, certain things shouldn't have a statute of limitation. For sure. Well, as you were listening to them, I'm like, Yep, those are the ones yeah, that should have no yeah. statute of limitations. Now, if you take some money from somebody, I mean, listen, I, of course, yeah, I took 20 grand from you in the 80s. We really going to fight over that. Yeah. <laughs> so, 1994, Epolito moves to Vegas, and Caracapa moves out there with him. He moves across the street. Las Vegas neighbors and shit. <clears throat> I don't know. If I'm Caracapa, I'm, I'm, I'm watching him to see if I got to take him out before yeah. he get us both caught. I agree. Legend has it they were hired by Peter Gotti to kill Sammy the Bull while he's in witness protection or, like, right when he first got out. That's highly disputed, so we don't know that's a thing, but mm-hmm. you will see that Peter Gotti tried to hide, hire the mafia cops to kill Sammy the Bull. But we all know, because now Sammy the Bull has a show on MTV. Yeah. So he's yeah. they, they didn't kill him. When he got out this last time, because he, he recently got out again, he, was, he did the whole rounds with... YouTube podcast world. Like he did a couple. He was on yeah. uh, Value Taming, a few of them. Yeah, and his daughter was on that show too, right? I yeah. don't know his daughter. The Mob Wives or whatever. Mob Wives. Oh, really? Mm. I think so. So the same year, Anthony Caso gets arrested, and he turns state's evidence. And he snitches on Epolito and Caracapa. But Anthony Caso really fucked up because... He, like, broke all the rules and then lied to the FBI a bunch of times. So, like, nothing went anywhere. Like, he snitched and, like, really didn't get nobody because he was an unreliable witness. So, I think they actually, like, took his witness protection back. So, that's when you're really fucked. Now you're not a mobster or a witness. <laughs> oh, well. Listen, but, I I am not about the person that you and I do a crime together and I tell on you because I got caught. But no. situation where a guy decides to go that route and then all of a sudden he doesn't get the end result of what he wanted. Let the bygones be bygones. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. Yep. <laughs> but now, the flip side though, you have people that's not into the life of crime. Old people, women, children, stuff like that. They get caught in the crossfire stuff or whatever else. Tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell. Even though Anthony Caso's testimony doesn't get anything done, with the mafia cops, they start looking at some of these old open cases. So the FBI reinvestigates the James Heidel mur- murder, and they interview his mom. And she's like, well, yeah, but I know I seen that cop that was on Sally Jesse Raphael. I bought mm-hmm. his book, and there's a picture of him and a dude that were staking out my house. Mm-hmm. I seen him in a car right before my son got killed. Mm-hmm. So they're like, huh. So they start looking, and they're like, oh, yeah. Caracapo's used his information to look into James Heidel, and they start looking mm-hmm. at all this different stuff and all these things that were going on and all the stuff that they were searching. And they're like, wow, this all seems to add up, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Here's the missing pieces. Well, eventually, at some point down the road, Burton Kaplan gets arrested, but he's old school gangster, so he won't talk. One of these FBI agents that was doing some research, they sit him down and they're like, we get it, you don't want to talk, but well, what about that kid that got killed, Nick Guido? Like, he was just Christmas Day. He was like, you know what? They did do that shit. 
So he gave them everything on both the mafia cops. But they didn't even do it. Listen, it was his fault because he brought the guy in to the other people that didn't want to pay the money. All he had to do was pay the money. They would have got the the right info. See, what happened to the honor amongst thieves? Carrot Kappa and Epolito were arrested on March 25th and charged with counts of racketeering, obstruction of justice, extortion, and eight counts of murder and conspiracy to commit murder. Burton Kaplan took the stand and gave testimony for two days. That's telling. That's Takashi 6 9 telling. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's on the stand for two days? I was just, uh, just thinking of Takashi 6 9 memes. <laughs> That's like, uh, remember Mike Epps stand up where he was talking about, uh, I forget, one of those TV shows or whatever where they get people. He was like, he just gave up everything for the <laughs> ultimate feast. They're going to break it, come back like, yeah, so give me that pen right over there. I'll tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> the exact opposite of that, you've never seen The Wire. Have you seen The Wire, Tone? Uh, I've seen a couple episodes. There's this guy, Weebay, which mm-hmm. at one point he gets busted and he's doing life in prison. Mm-hmm. So he decides to confess to every murder the gangs ever did but he would trade testimonies for sandwiches. So he's just in there trading sandwiches for murders and shit. Like, oh, does that new McDonald's one? Blah, blah. Yeah, well, I you got to figure, let's say I got a, a murder or two, and I'm there for life anyway. What's life versus double life or triple life, right? right? And if there are certain perks I can get, like, you know, I can see you not having something for a long time and just having a craving for it. Like, I don't eat McDonald's. But if I'm down for a really long time, I'm about five years in, and want a Big Mac and some fries, what is it confessing <laughs> to another murder? Like, listen, on Big Mac and fries, extra Mac sauce. <laughs> well, and it helped a lot of his boys because there was a lot of these guys that were out that did those. Yeah. So he's like, no, that one's me. I did that. Firehouse chicken sub. Yeah, yeah I mean, what, what else do you got to lose? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I did that. These guys are telling on everybody. Weebay was telling on himself. He was taking everybody's. Yeah, like, fuck it. I'm going down for everybody. You get to eat good and you become an urban legend. Hey, best of both worlds. Maybe that guy that did that crime might hook me up. (laughs) (laughs) On April 6, 2006, Caracappa and Epolito were convicted on all charges. In 2009, Epolito was sentenced to life plus 100 years. And Caracapa was sentenced to life plus 80 years. And each was fined more than $4 million. They need to hope a prison uh, riot breaks out and uh, he, he could go save some guards. <laughs> I know how this goes. He used to be a cop, right? Save a guard. You can get out of here. They love it when you save guards. Yeah, they of do. Of course. Get brownie points. Chavez got to be yeah. like 85 years old. You ever get locked up? That's what you usually start doing. Look at Well, I remember... Thomas Silverstein got locked out of uh, solitary because the Cubans rioted and let him out. Like, yeah. like every prison he goes to after then, like, mm-hmm. you guys got any Cubans here? Right. <laughs> you guys got right. any Cubans up in this bitch? I'm a big fan. Aren't you in the Aryan Brotherhood? Yeah. Those Cubans are my boys, man. <laughs> now, New York City ended up having to pay $18.4 million to settle seven lawsuits brought by the families of the victims of the mafia cops. Caracapa was incarcerated at United States Penitentiary in Coleman, Florida. Uh, then he was transferred to a federal prison in North Carolina. He died of cancer on April 8, 2017. 
and Epolito was incarcerated at the United States Penitentiary Tucson, which is a high-security federal prison. He died on November 3rd, 2019 in federal custody at a regular hospital. How does that work? I always wondered that. You always hear these cases of people getting big-timer numbers, and they always get sent to different states. I don't understand, like, how, if it's a federal crime, do they always try to send you further away from home, or how does that work? I think it just depends on what level of crime. Like, if you're going mm-hmm. to max or super max, or mm-hmm. what kind of prison you're going to for a federal. But it's all based on your crime. It's not on your region. So it's like only certain states have certain facilities or something? Not every state has a federal. Gotcha. Only because I do the show all the time. A lot mm-hmm. of these guys, like I now will know, yeah, USP Atlanta. That's where mm-hmm. I know a bunch of guys that went there. Yeah. Uh, Florence Supermax, Merriam mm-hmm. Prison. Like it the federal almost ones. like airports, you know. You just yes. name them. By the, yeah, oh, Merriam. USP, yeah, Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, when Jay's on the podcast, <laughs> you'd be telling your story. And you, as soon as you say something, he's like, Oh, yeah, that's a federal one. They're in trouble. I don't know where the story's going, but uh, at some point, this is going to wrap it up. They were robbing, like, little local people and, like, shooting their neighbors for a long time. Like, oh, you robbed a mail truck? Oh, well, you're going to prison. Well, yeah, I mean, we said that before. Like, any kind of, once you get the government involved in your crimes, it's over with. Yeah. Don't fuck with Big Sam. You know, you want to fuck with little local Sam, you can get away with that for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. Once you start fucking with Uncle Sam. He's that take you behind the woodshed, Uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's the story of Louis Epolito. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. So you guys haven't seen a picture yet. Yes. If we were going to cast a movie about Louis Epolito, who would you cast to play him? The hard part is I don't remember anything in the story that really gave any kind of description of him. Yeah, yeah. other than you knowing that he was a multi-generation mobster. So I'm going to guess around that time, you know, and for what those guys was doing, maybe it was a more fit guy. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, played in the uh, Incredible Hawk. He became a Abomination. Nick Nolte? That's not Nick Nolte. MCU Incredible Hog, not that bullshit that was on before that. Oh. <laughs> he went to he went to eighties Incredible Hog with Lou Ferrigno. No, it was, the, it was the Eric Banner one. Yeah, the, the Eric Banner one. <laughs> not that one. The Edward Norton. Ed one. Norton. That's a that's just who pops in my head. Remember the movie? I think it was called Little Mobsters. Little it was Mobsters. about the foreman of the commission. And it was like Lucky Luciano and Meyer Lansky and all those guys. I think that's what the name yeah, was. Yeah, that guy that played Meyer Lansky. Yeah, I was actually thinking that guy. Tim who Roth. Made, uh... Tim Roth. Hold on, I was googling shit. So which gangster movie are you talking He's about? He's talking about with uh, you know Bugsy Siegel was. So it was like you're Meyer talking about Lansky mobsters, and... mobsters, okay. and Christian Slater was Meyer Lansky. No, Christian Slater was Lucky Luciano. No, this wasn't Christian Slater. R- Richard Grieco was no. uh. Richard Grieco. Richard Grieco was Bugsy Siegel. This is what's ridiculous. Richard Grieco's Bugsy Siegel and Christian Slater's Lucky Luciano. Wouldn't the Italian yeah. dude be Lucky Luciano and Christian Slater could be Bugsy Siegel? Doesn't that make more sense? Yeah. But Tim Roth was the guy I was talking about. Tim right? Roth. So he played Dutch Schultz. Dutch Schultz. Yeah. In Hoodlum. That's who he gotcha. was. Gotcha. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I saw Hoodlum. <laughs> <laughs> Hoodlum. I saw that. Yeah, that's the movie. Two movies. 
Hoodlum and Tombstone. But those are two good movies. Like, if you only watch two, like, those are two good fucking movies to go with. You know, I try to do what I can. Damn, you're right. It was Christian Slater that played Lucky yeah. Luciano. All right. Well, here's the pictures of Louis Eppolito. I think I was thinking of the guy that played Bugsy Siegel, Richard Greco. And here, I got a couple more. This is him on Sally Jesse Raphael. Oh, shit. And this is the picture of him and Kara Kappa from the book that got him in trouble. So he erased everything I said about him possibly being fit or anything like that. <laughs> he definitely has a neck on him. It looks like Or this. lack thereof. The guy that plays Big Pussy? Oh, Vincent Pastor? <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh, Big Pussy from The Sopranos? Never seen it. No. He's one of those guys, he plays like the gangster in like all the movies. <laughs> real big guy. He's real big. Your role, right. let me guess, the gangster. So, I mean, this guy looks like, at one point he was Mr. New York, was probably like a, a buff young dude, and then stay big. But then you just get fat on top of it. <laughs> and next thing you know, you're on Sally Jesse Raphael talking about how you're a good well, cop a and shit. Freaking cop. He's probably eating donuts all day. Yeah. <laughs> he's a cop in the fucking 60s through 80s. That's prime fucking donut pig. copping. <laughs> Listen, still to this day, you know, I like to frequent coffee shops. It's a really great place to put up a laptop and do some work. Cops just roll in there, <laughs> go behind the counter. Do they? Donuts. Yeah, listen, I've been in quite a few, and literally the cops just come in like they know I'm, hey, Ralph, hey, how's it going? He's come back there, grab a cup, make his own coffee, get pastries. Which coffee so, cups? I'm not telling what shops <laughs> trying to get me arrested, but I see it quite often. I will say that more than one. Hmm. So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. Now, standard DEFCON scale is five to one, five being the lowest, one being the highest. But on the Bad Guy podcast, no one's a good guy. So five would be Lee Murray, who's your your coke dealing, kidnapping mm-hmm. bank robber, or the Purple Gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they're killing cops on the street. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Louis Eppolito? I'm I'm gonna go, and normally I'm the guy that don't go as harsh on people, but I'm gonna go harsh on this one. I'm gonna put the, him at a. It's hard not to make him a solid one. He's like a 1.5 slash 2, and this is the reason why. Um, I know I talked about how hard it is not to become a dirty cop and things of that sort, but it's still, when you take a certain oath and you have a certain stature, that should come with something, and that should mean something. And it's almost like he got into it with the intent to be dirty. Mm -hmm. Now, you combine that with, They only talked about, I think we covered three murders that he was actually involved in. But through the years, he got on that initial payroll in the 80s and didn't retire until, I think, 92. You have to think, if I'm paying you month in and month out, Mm -hmm. you're doing a lot of work in between that time. So that's just the bodies that we knew about detailed here. So one, when you take on that badge, it's basically an immunity. You know, it's like watching Lethal Weapon 1 and, you know, the guy that nobody could touch because he had diplomatic immunity. When you take something like that and you become the ultimate bad guy and do murders and things of that sort, to me it puts you all the way on the other end of the scale because I can't even combat you because now combating you is combating the U.S. government. Right. Right? So that automatically makes what you're doing, it's a heavier sway to me. I'm leaning, like I said, it's about a 1.5, but I think 
I'm leaning, even though we don't have the history of every single murder, yeah. I'm leaning more toward that one than the two, but I'm going to leave it at a solid 1.5. I was thinking a two or three. The FBI did say he's convicted of eight murders. They say they think it could be closer to 20, but they mm-hmm. just don't have the evidence. And what are you going to do? It is what mm-hmm. it is. But he's a really bad guy. You're not really a mobster because you're a cop. So you want to have, like you said, you want to have that superiority mm-hmm. where I got the government on my back. But you're not good to that either. You know what I mean? You're there and you're the dirty cop. Like, there's mm-hmm. what's grosser than that? And you're not mm-hmm. good at it because now you're writing books and mm-hmm. doing weird <laughs> shit. He wanted attention. Even your crooked cop homie thinks you're a little scummy. Yeah. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I, I kind of agree. He's got to have done a lot of sh- dirty-ass shit. And like, he, they were paying him. He was on the payroll. <laughs> so, you know, they was calling him every day, basically, I, I believe. You know, and he's not going to tell us everything. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, he still contends that he was a clean cop. I'm sure he does. Yeah, he wrote a whole book about it. <laughs> yes. Just lies. Lying lies. ass motherfucker. So, I, yeah, I would put him at a, a 2, 1.5. So what do we put him at? We're going to call him a DEFCON 2. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. 2? Well, because I don't have a sound bite. Yeah. I don't got a sound bite for one and a half, so we got to go somewhere. <laughs> I'm with it. Before we go, you guys got anything? No, I think it was a, a good episode. Good good insight, like I said, based on some things that you were seeing in mobster movies back in the day. Well, I was really thinking, we do a lot of gangsters, and we'll always be back to that. But I always try to cover, we cover bikers, we cover pirates, we cover madams. Mm-hmm. You know, try and cover a little bit of all of it. You can't cover a thing about criminals and not cover a dirty cop. All, all we need is now a good, dirty judge. Dirty judge? Yeah, we got to find a good, dirty judge. Or not we, because I'm the talent that makes jokes. <laughs> I got Lock a... has to find yeah. a good... Go find us a judge. Lock. I can find an opposite judge. There's a guy who's not a dirty judge, but the hanging judge out in Oklahoma. But I got some dirty politicians that I think legit mm. are dirty enough to cross over mm-hmm. into this actual gangster territory. Mm-hmm. Dude, between Boss Tweed, Tammany Hall, Bathhouse, and... Hinky Dink in Chicago and shit. These motherfuckers. Hinky Dink. Hinky Dink, yeah. Well, if you do a boss tweet, the only rule is you have to only drink all boss, boss tweet. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure, a, it'd be a, a theme tank episode. episode. <laughs> it's a tank episode right there. Listen, just invite me over, even if I'm not on the podcast. I'm just coming <laughs> from the beer. Right. It's just the boss tweet beer. All hey, boss hey, tweet we, all day. Hey, we got four more. That's right. <laughs> Let's go. Boss tweet. <laughs> I'm all down. All right, this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. Yeah, say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the camera. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Hey, hey. So I don't money grab the hundred hams. 
Said I done money grabbed a bunch of And bitch. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental life Ay. And I still keep it on me, run into your big homie First you meet your dead homie, yeah yeah. Say hello to the bad guy bad guy. The good guy come in last place You smell that dope when I pass by I lay my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy You rubbing on my pockets. Only trick I know is making a profit. All money in, only making deposits. Smoking on jet fuel, I'm nitro to rocket. You gon' do what? No, you not. Stop it. All them guns you tell you never pop it. A heavy hustle when you need it, I got it. Heavy drip when I want it, I cop it. In the clubs, you rubbing on my pockets. Only trick I know is making a profit. All money in, only making deposits. Smoking on jet fuel, I'm nitro to rocket. You niggas be faking and fronting and playing games. Address me as nitro. Know that I'm active. I rep pop bread, don't forget the name. You niggas is jealous. You niggas is envious. Hating ass niggas want me to lose how can you not feel me i'm chasing a milli i'm getting a bag and i'm spreading the loot from a honda civic to a billy coupe from a dented top to a chop roof you niggas be broke how the fuck we got problems and how can we beef when we got nothing in common said you got killers well fuck it go call them smoking on jet fuel and freedom no call first nigga from the west doing drill shit nitro next to blow i got a kill switch can't find you then we hit who you deal with where the bomb be that's some trill shit always on go i'm the fucking goat got a hundred flows nigga no joke all the og showed me the ropes and i give back i get a hood hope if a op want smoke then i tell the nigga run up i'ma go get i grind to the sun up like forgot next i'm the best on the come you gonna up. do what no you not stop it all them guns you tell you never pop it a heavy hustle when you need it i got it heavy drip when i wanted i cop it in the clubs you rubbing on my pockets only trick i know is making a profit all money in only making deposits smoking on jet fuel i'm nitro to rocket you gonna do what no you not stop it all them guns you tell you never pop it a heavy hustle when you need it i got it heavy drip when i wanted i cop it in the clubs you rubbing on my pockets it's only trick I know is making a profit All money in, only making deposits Smoking on jet fuel, I'm nitro to rocket Since a young nigga, we been getting jiggy We gon' mob out, pop out, with slitty I'm the king of my coast, fuck king of the city Niggas been plotting, heard they trying to get me And niggas been flocking, they think that we empty Full automatics, we don't do no semis You come through this door, you gon' get the whole 50 Swear to God, I'm the hottest nigga from the west I need a meal off the deal, nigga, nothing less
best. Where I'm from, you had to fight to get your respect. You follow protocol, you tell them you accept. My hands been famous, nigga, quiet as kept. And all that loud shit get you a cave chest. They shooting heads, so I rock a vest. I heard karma, bitch, that got no regrets. Say what I want because this is how I feel like. Niggas gonna judge you, salute them, they still might. Niggas freestyle, I know, but I still write. Nitroactive, nigga, I push my own line. This rocket talk, you better know that it's go time. Taking a coast over, nigga, with no cosign. The homies blood, but the king crib. I'm from the west side, but got the east lit. I'm the definition of this hyper shit. You gon' do what? No, you not stop it. All them guns you tell you never pop it. Heavy hustle when you need it, I got it. Heavy drip when I want it, I cop it. In the club, she rubbing on my pockets. Only trick I know is making a profit. All money in, only making deposits. Smoking on jet fuel, I'm nitro to rock it. You gon' do what? No, you not stop it. All them guns you tell you never pop it. Heavy hustle when you need it, I got it. Heavy drip when I want it, I cop it. In the club, she rubbing on my pockets. Only trick I know is making a profit. All money in, only making deposits. Smoking on jet fuel, I'm nitro to rock it. Solid as the sound, the gun claps in the cross streets We both are on the 